Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, yes, a good evening to you, a good morning, or indeed a good afternoon to you, however you may be listening and wherever you may be listening. This is the Man on the Post podcast. We finally managed to get together and record on a Sunday. It's a miracle. It is an Easter miracle. On the third day, Man on the Post has risen again. And we're here to talk about everything that's happened in the world of football, be it important or be it non-important at all. And we'll start off, as we do as per normal, by introducing the panel. Uh, I should probably introduce myself. I'm Matthew. I'm the host. I don't think I've ever done that in the whole stint of being in the hosting chair. I've never actually introduced myself. I just assumed you know who I was. So for those who don't know, I'm Matthew. Uh, we'll go around and we'll uh, say hello to the rest of the panel then. Uh, joining us in seat number one is Colin. Colin, a good Sunday to you. Hi there, Matthew. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, calling here from West Yorkshire. Oh, West Yorkshire, not from Essex this week. You decided to move somewhere. Absolutely. Um, enjoying the Yorkshire fun in for Easter. Is this? I, guess. I was going to say, is this temporary or is this permanent? No, this is temporary. Ah, oh, just temporary. Okay. Just visiting family and friends. Okay, and joining us all the way from wherever it is he is from, I'm sure he'll tell us in a minute. Is Tom? Oh, isn't Tom? How are you going? Oh, very well, thank you. All the way from Sunny Gosport. Sunny Gosport. There we go. So somewhere on the south coast. Right. Now you, as a Portsmouth fan, you are going to enjoy this subject a lot as we kick off this episode. Basically, what I want to do is, let's go down all the teams, because the race for the title is over, the race for fourth place is over, unless anyone wants to convince me that uh, Chelsea can catch Spurs. Does anyone want to convince me? If anyone can bottle it from here, it's Tottenham. Okay, other than that, Colin, can Chelsea catch Spurs? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Okay, so that's the race for the top four finished. It's not really a change. I think this is the first year that the four teams go straight into the group stage. So it's not even a case of battling for fourth for the last playoff place anymore. So really, all the attention and all the fun is going to be down the bottom end of the table. So what I'm going to ask each of you to do, and I'll chip in as well, is we'll go through all the teams that we think can be relegated and come up with a reason we think they'll stay up and a reason we think they'll go down. Now, I've done this from Brighton to Stoke because I think we can all agree West Brom are gone. And I personally think Newcastle, as a result of their win yesterday, are now out of, are now out of bother. Again, unless anyone wants to convince me that Newcastle are in any sort of bother. Anyone? No, no Newcastle are fine. No. Nope. Nope, okay, so that's it. So we're going from Brighton to Stoke. So it's Brighton in descending order. Brighton, West Ham, Swansea, Huddersfield, Crystal Palace, Southampton and Stoke. And we'll start at the top. And uh, Colin, why do you think Brighton are going to stay up, if they are at all? 
Um, for me, basically, it's I'm, I'm looking at form, and uh, I've used form quite a bit for this uh, this section. Um, Brighton on form are the tenth best team in the Premier League, and when you look what's below them, I don't see any real threat for them. To be honest. Um, they're also not a club in crisis, which some of the others are. Um, the whole setup seems good. They've got the same manager that they had when they got promoted. Um, yeah, they're not going to set the world alight, but I think they do what they do very well. Yeah. So that's my reason for, for being cheerful about Brighton. Okay. I've personally got them down. Uh, my reason that I think they'll step is I think they've just got the freedom this year. You know, everyone, you know, no one expected them to have done this well so far. Everyone would have expected them to go down. So if they do go down, it's not as if it's going to be the the death of Brighton. You know, it, it's not going to be panic throughout uh, throughout the county of Sussex. You know, they just they'll play. They'll, they'll have the freedom. They're not going to be panicking. They're not going to be Right, let's dig our way out of this. They're going to go at it with a with a sense of freedom that I reckon will just about get them over the line. Uh, Tom, why do you think Brighton are going to stay up? To me, they're already safe. Okay, they're six points clear, seven games left. They're they're not, they're not saying the world alight by any means, but are they really going to lose their last seven games? Because and five teams are going to overtake them, and for me, that's a definite no. Considering the form of the teams below them, really struggling to pick up any sort of wins. Brighton, one or two more points, and they're safe for me. Okay, that's fair enough. And I'll kick off to you. Okay, you think they're safe, so there's no reason. But do you think there are any worries? Do you think that they could still go down, or are you just simply written them off? They'll be in the Premier League next year. Well, the only worry for me is the lack of goal threat, really. Unless Glenn Murray gets a penalty, they haven't really got much else. OK. Colin, back to you. Why do you think, or what do you think, could put Brighton in some danger? Well, I, I, I sort of second what Tom's just said. I, I don't really see how much danger they're in. I mean, when it comes to rating all these guys and whether I think they're going to stay up or stay down, I'm looking at who is in the most danger? And Brighton just aren't. Um, I can't think. I mean, apart as, as Tom says, apart from a lack of goals, I can't really see what's going to trip them up. Um, the the only thing perhaps is what the, they've had two losses on the bounce. Uh, maybe if you're trying to make an argument for them struggling, but I I, I can't see it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I've just got it. I personally just got it down to. Uh, uh, I've just got that bad thing. There's no experience. I don't think there's a lot of Premier League experienced players in that side, and that could hurt them going down the stretch. But if you guys are con so convinced that Brighton are, you know, not in any danger, I'll just cross them off the. I'll just cross them off the list. There you go, Brighton fans. You're safe for another year in the minds of the men on the post podcast. So if you do go down, blame them. And we've, right. we've never been wrong before about anything. No, of course not. So, absolutely. Exactly. So, moving down the table then. Uh, West Ham United. 
Who wants to go first then? Why do you guys think West Ham are going to stay up? Tom, I'll kick off with you. Anyone who thrashes Southampton 3-0 deserves to stay up in the Premier League for me. So, so, it's, but, so it's by their damage to Southampton, not by any sort of good form. Or it's the fact uh, that they beat Southampton. Yeah. Beating a fellow relegation candidate 3-0 getting into the crunch time this season that really should give you momentum especially with Arnautovic in that sort of form they created a lot of chances to be that far ahead of one of your rivals in over 90 minutes it should really boost you the only problem yeah, they've got Stoke coming up as well at home so win that and that's that's them done ok fair enough I've um, you mentioned Arnautovic that's more or less the reason I've got that they're going to so if you look at that squad and you use the, you know, the phrase they're too good to go down I know that's you know the poison chalice they, you know, they're too good to go down but really do they but I just you look at that squad and that squad is too good you just don't you just can't see that squad being in a relegation fight on the last day of the season regardless of how bad David Moyes is as manager you just you just can't. You just can't see it, right, Colin? Why do you think West Ham are staying up? Um, I'm confident they're staying up. Um, again, you, you've hit the nail on the head. Arnautovic. Um, I think it was a little bit harsh on David Moyes. Um, I think there's a lot of scepticism about his appointment, but I think he's actually done a very good job under some pretty tricky circumstances. We all know. Um, you know what's been happening well on and off the pitch but um, I think he's handled it pretty well um, and the speed at which the, the hoo-ha with Golden Sullivan and the fans has disappeared out of the news is, is sort of probably testament to, to Moyes doing a good job um, yeah it, it's West Ham, I think, are one of those teams that when they need to dig out a result, they just do it. Um, and they've got a good calibre team. I mean, you know, let's not hide away from the fact that look, they're, they're probably punching below their weight. They, they shouldn't even be in this mess. But they are where they are. Um, but I think it's looking a lot healthier than it was earlier in the season. Yeah. Absolutely, and you touched there on the on David Moyes and the sort of on and off the pitch issues. That's my sort of one concern. My one concern about them is against Southampton. Yes, it's all well and good when they take the lead, but you just feel because of everything that's gone on, if ever they were to fall behind in a game, that's where you know it will all just in, intensify, multiply, just go on. From there, I have no idea who that. As you say, they've got Stoke coming up. If they go one nil down to Stoke early on, then I think the nerves of the fans will then make their way onto the pitch, onto the players. That's my one concern. They're okay if they go ahead, but if they fall behind, do they have enough to get out of it? So uh, I'll keep it with you then. Why do you think they? Uh, what do you think of their concerns to uh, going down, Colin? Well, first of all, I think out of any of the teams that, you know, if they do go down, they're in real problems. It's West Ham, you know, what with their setup and the new stadium and what's going on with the owners. But um, you could possibly say the next game, uh, next weekend, is against Chelsea. 
Um, are Chelsea going to be fired up after getting hammered by Spurs? Maybe. Um, so that's one sort of potential fly in the ointment. Um, so, so their position might not look too healthy, um, you know, next weekend. If you know, you expect Chelsea to do what you, you think Chelsea might do, um, but then I'm going to contradict myself straight away here. Um, is that I actually think that West Ham could win that against Chelsea. I think they've down tools. Um, so, yeah, with West Ham, there's always a. A, a banana skin just weighing around the corner, but I, I think you know they've done enough. They've done enough. Okay, Tom, do you have any concerns for West Ham going forward? Well, sort of jointly with both of what you said, really, that there, there's the potential for just a complete head loss for the fans and the players, and that the fact that ne- the next month they've got to go to Chelsea, and if they don't get anything at home to Stoke, their next two games are Arsenal and Man City. So they won't want to leave it to the last two games. I mean, if they have a bad month, the fans right on their back, there'll be going to be a lot of pressure. Okay, so that's West Ham taken care of. But we both, but are we all of the agreement that we think West Ham will stay up? Oh, I think they'll be fine. I think they only need one more win. One more win, Colin. We think West Ham will stay up. My prediction is they're staying up. Okay, so that's Brian and that's West Ham. Good news for them. Right, the Hammers. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Moving on. Swansea City. Now, I personally... Everyone talks about the new manager bounce, and that is exactly what Swansea have got with Carlos Carvajal in charge. You know, know, all the uh, uh, Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday fans, rather, saying that Carlos had a dream uh, to get into the Premier League. And, well, he's kind of done that, but he's done it the cheating way by just... By just managing a Premier League team, and he's sorted them out no end because everyone would have thought that Swansea were gone by the time he took over. But he's doing more or less what Roy Hodgson did with Fulham back when he did the Great Escape. He's organised them to an extent where you think, yeah, they've probably gone out of this. So my plus for Swansea is just the just the uh, an elongated new manager bounce, as it were. Uh, Colin, what are your positives for Swansea? Um, I remember when uh, the new manager came in, Carvajal, and uh, we, we have a sort of private chat, you know, on WhatsApp uh, between us guys. And um, I think a lot of people saw that as a sort of a bit of a joke appointment. And I said, you know, watch out. I, I don't think it's as bad as, you know, people make out. And uh, Swansea were odds on uh, favourites to be relegated at the time of his appointment. Um, so, you're absolutely right. He's done a great job. He's turned it around. You look at the form table, they're 13th. Um, you know, if you, if you look at what they've done since the new manager's come in, you know, it, it, well, hindsight's a wonderful thing. If that had been from the start of the season... They wouldn't be anywhere near this, you know, the situation now. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident for Swansea. Okay, very confident for Swansea. But do you have any concerns for them going forward? Uh, no, not really. 
<laughs> no? Okay. No, not, not really. I think they've done what they needed to do, which was um, get the manager out, get the new guy in, and it's worked. And I don't see any reasons for that to become derailed. Okay, that's it. Okay, uh, Tom, over to you now. Uh, what are your positives for Swansea? Do, why do well, you like, think they're staying up? I like their running. They've got they've got to play a number of teams that have got with nothing to play for. Next game's against West Brom. Down. After that, Everton. Mid-table. Season's over. And I think they've got enough about them with the new manager. We've seen performances improve. We've seen them pick up more points recently than earlier on in the season. I mean, a real improvement. I mean, they were just sinking and sinking and sinking until they made that change. But I think they've got enough about them. Okay, but do you have any concerns, though, going forward? Well, again, they are the joint lowest scorers in the Premier League still. Yeah, there's three. Yeah, exactly. There's three teams who have scored 25 goals. They yeah. are Swansea, they are Huddersfield, and they are, unsurprisingly, West Brom. But again, you've seen them. You've seen them start to pick up a few more when they scored four against West Ham. But yeah, what? I, I still think they'll be right. They'll be right. Okay, so Tom reckons Swansea safe. I also reckon they're safe. But my concern for them is, you know, Tom just touched on it. No goals. You know, uh, their top scorer at the moment is, and I have in front of me, is Jordan Ayew with ten. You know, when you down ten goals from a from a more from it. Jordan Ayew's a winger, isn't he? For the most part, or am I getting confused with his brother? Jordan Ayew's a winger. I could swear he is. And when most of your goals are coming from a winger, then you are in serious problem. Right, moving on. Uh, Huddersfield. Now I just touched on them again. They're on the lower uh, end of the table. Uh, joint lowest scores in the league. So that's my concern for them. But I do have some level of faith with uh, David Wagner in charge. He has that sort of Klopp mentality of getting players fired up. He seems like a guy you'd... you know He's not the most tactically astute, but he's an excellent motivator. And that's something that I reckon, I reckon would just about see them over the line. Uh, Tom, Tom, your thoughts on Huddersfield? I was really struggling to find a positive about Huddersfield. And the only the only one word I came up with was Wagner. Yeah, he's, he's it does see, it does seem to be he's their one guiding their one sort of salvation because there aren't many players or anything you see you know as the great spark to get them to get them out of it. It's it, it's purely the manager. Exactly. There's no standout player. There's no one who's going to score you loads of goals. It's, they're, they're a team and they just need to get behind their manager but yeah that's, they're going to struggle yeah you reckon they're going to okay Colin your thoughts on Huddersfield then uh, I've been quite nice and polite so far haven't I um, to some of these teams it's going to change now um, I think that when that shot on TV of David Wagner with the guy, the substitute behind him, get ready to come on. Um, and unfortunately, the camera caught him with his schlong out. <laughs> Adjusting himself, let's put it in the uh, uh, yeah, PG term. Yeah. 
it's definitely adjusted itself. Um, I think that sums up Huddersfield Town. Um, I'm not going to hold any punches back here. Um, they are the worst team in this league. Full stop. Right there. Worst in West uh, skill wise, player wise, yeah, yeah. Um, this isn't some sort I, of Yorkshire jealousy. No, is it? it's not. It's the, not. The, the I mean, what that a Yorkshire team made it to the Premier League before Leeds. It's not that, is it? Don't worry about it. We've been in the Premier League before, mate. You <laughs> can do it again. But no, I haven't got a problem with Huddersfield. And hey, I'm, you know, I'm Team Yorkshire, so I, I, I hope they prosper. But they haven't just they haven't done enough from from being a championship side to becoming a Premier League side. And although they were good in the championship, they weren't amazing. They weren't they weren't like Wolves are this season. Um, I'd argue that your guys, Matthew Fulham, um, are a better outfit than than Huddersfield. Yep. Um, we beat them nine-one on aggregate last year, and they made it up, and we didn't. That's the funny part. Oh yes, how we laugh. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, they. I, I think one of you alluded to the fact that they've scored the least goals. Um, and they were, they were also in their worst form at the worst time as well. They haven't scored yeah. in the last four games. Yeah, and if you look at the the guys in the shit pit, then they've um, got the worst goal difference as well. So, should it come to that, and it might, that's not going to do them any favours. But I think that's just a, a big sign of... Um, it's just a big red alarm warning to me when you've got a team that can't score goals, concedes goals, coming into bad form at the end of the season. I can't see any glimmers of hope that can sort of drag them out. You know, we, we mentioned Arnautovic for West Ham. There's no figure like that for Huddersfield as far as I can see. So I think they've got it all to do. And um, for me, this is the first prediction I'm going to make of which team's going to be relegated. Huddersfield Town is one of my three. Okay, that's fair enough. I mean, I I said a couple of weeks ago that I think, I think Huddersfield are down, but I'm just looking at sort of who's in the relegation squad behind them. I think they might, uh, what's the phrase, pull a Wigan, in that they're terrible. Yet there are just so many teams below them that end up being worse that they somehow fluke it. You know, similar to how Wigan did it for. God knows how many years before I finally, before I finally bit them and they went down. I, I think, in fact, they might actually be uh, doing a Burnley. You know, they're, they're happy with their manager. They're going to stick with him. If they get relegated, which I think they will, they're going to have a hell of a lot more cash to spend, readjust, and then rebuild for the Premier League push next year. So that's. My thinking, and I think the the board of Huddersfield Town as well would not be disappointed by that, and I don't think the fans would be either. Um, so I'm not saying you know they're all you know accepting relegation as a done deal, but if it happens, you know they're not going to be throwing stones at the owners like the West Ham fans might. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. 
two, who's this? Uh, Crystal Palace. Now, I'm saying the Crystal Palace are going to stay up purely because I love Roy Hodgson and I love what he's doing. And even though they're losing games, you can see against the big teams, they are, you know, they haven't given up. They're not they're not going down without a fight. Look, they pushed Man United all the way. It took it took a last minute winner to deal with that. Spurs did the same. Uh, Manchester City they could have eat, they could have beaten them. Um, and you look at the weekend. Liverpool again took them a last minute winner to do it. So I reckon Roy's got a side that will not give up, and you know and won't give up and will stay up. My one concern about them though, and if you saw the game yesterday. It's Christian Benteke. He's meant to be your main source of goals as your main number nine leading the line. And those two guilt edge, those two excellent chances he had yesterday, if he's not putting them away, then you wonder what sort of confidence he's in at this stage of the season. So it could be Benteke's lack of goals that um, that caught, that uh, put them in that uh, put them in some sort of bother. Uh, Colin, Crystal Palace. Um, well, my first question will be to you, Matthew. Um, yes. Why, why do you love Roy Hodgson so much? There's, do, you, do you not know the Roy Hodgson Fulham story? How he took us from 19th in the Premier League to a Europa League final within the space of two years? Do you oh, not know okay. this story? So you're biased. Yes, absolutely. Well, in much of the same way as Tom is biased towards anyone that beats uh, beat anyone that beats Southampton, I'm in the same way. No, they will have to take a lot. To convince me that Roy Hodgson is a bad man, you know that, that he can do no wrong in my eyes, and every single Fulham fan's eyes either. You know, they're they're a team who we are a fan base who has no affiliation with Crystal Palace whatsoever, but every single one of us wants Crystal Palace to stay up purely because of the loving that Roy would get as a result. Purely. Right. Okay. Um, I, I've only got one word to respond. Iceland. Yeah, he's not an international manager. That's absolutely no. fine. That's beyond. Oh, that's that. beyond. That's beyond his level. He's a fine <laughs> Premier League manager. He's just got promoted a bit above his level. Much the same way Jay Bothroyd once played for England. <laughs> and I know that's above his level. He doesn't deserve to be there. Roy Hodgson is the same. He doesn't deserve to be an international manager, but absolutely a Premier League manager. Yeah. No. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm sort of like winding you up a little bit there. I mean, I, I think Roy Hodgson's done a great job. To be fair. Um, but let's be honest. Crystal Palace is a one-man team. Yeah? Yep. It's all about Zaha. Um, and you can see that as a negative or a positive because, okay, they're a one-man team, but at least their one man is Zaha. Um, when he plays, they do well. If he's not playing, they don't win. So, that sort of gives me a little bit of confidence for them moving forwards. I think we're also, as well, the other reason for my confidence is we're slipping into the real Maya now of who's really, really bad that sort of, like, pushes you afloat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're in the stink pit, but there's so much stink below you, it's actually pushing you above the, the edge so you can still breathe. Do you know what I mean? Um He's a solid manager. They've got some talent there. Um, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan of Kabai. Um, I, I don't think he's done himself any service. 
Um, but yeah, just one thing, just to pick up on what you said, and I don't know what Tom thinks about this, but Ben Teke as Am I right in probably... Well, this is just my opinion. Has he been the biggest flop this season in the Premier League? He's awful. Is he, is he going to go to the World yeah. Cup? Yeah I, could, yeah, I can see the argument for that. I think he probably... Um, I'll admit my knowledge on the Belgian national team isn't the greatest. But, yeah, he's got Lukaku in front of him. He'll have Divock... And, and Mertens. And Mertens, Divockery. He could make it if there's an injury to whoever's in front of him. Would he get there on terms of merit? Probably not. Personally, on your t- on the biggest flop, yeah, I'd say I'd say there's a case. I can't think of any more off the top of my head. Uh, nah, no, not that I can not that I can think of. He's he's stealing a living, isn't he? At the moment, because he he's not on low wages at Palace. No, exactly. Um, Tom, your thoughts on Palace? Well, you both sort of covered my points between you. I had Ben Teke down, two goals in 26 games for your leading striker, your main man, your main target man up front, your, your goal poacher. Should be getting, even in a relegation threatened team, if you've got a player like that, he should be getting double figures. Yeah, similar even to... If, yeah. Even if you're not in form, you should be getting double figures. You should be there. Striker's instinct. But yeah. I still think they've got match winners. Like Zaha... I've not rated him, I've disliked him for so many years now, but he's finally starting to win me round. I thought he was overrated the first time at Palace. When it's time for Man United, they get a chance, that actually wasn't good enough. He's just, I think he's all, all skills and no end product. But I think he's finally starting to mature as a footballer, he's finally starting to add that end product to his game. I think he's the sort of player you need. Okay. On the on the subject of Wilfred Zaha, do we think England missed a trick with the with the World Cup coming up and everyone's talking about who would be in the England squad? If Wilfred Zaha had stuck with England and was performing on the level that he is now, do we think he'd get into the England squad, or would he still be on the outside looking in? I wouldn't say he's that good. He's a he's a Premier League player, but he's do you really want? players involved in relegation battles going in, into World Cup well, Jack, well Jack Butland seems to be going, uh, we'll touch on Stoke in a minute Jack Butland is in discussion to be number one keeper well so, only three English goalkeepers are all languishing in the Premier League there's none of any big clubs I think I think Everton fans would, would dispute that with Jordan Pickford but yeah Colin do you think Wilfred Zaha could make the England squad to be honest, I, I think, well, it's, it's, you know, the boat has sailed now, hasn't it? But um, I think he's a sort of player who probably would have been crowbarred into the team. I think he's got some sort of, um, some sort of allure about him that fans like him in there, you know, a, a, you know, very similar to sort of a Jack Wilshire. Oh, we've got to get him in there. He could be like the next Gascoigne or whatever, you know, um, and similarly with um, Jack Grealish. You know, we sort of have a bit of a loving with these sort of guys. Um, but I, I, I agree with Tom, you know, he's just not at that level. But knowing England as I do, they would have probably put him in, you know, probably called him up for a, a squad call-up. OK. So that's Crystal Palace. Uh, we, we think Crystal Palace is safe? Safe. Safe. 
Okay. Just about. Okay then. In which case, moving on to the teams who are in the who make up the rest of the bottom three along with West Brom, and first up, uh, Tom, I'll let you take the reins on this. Uh, Southampton, just just take the mic. Just go what you go with what you feel like. I'm spoiled for choice. <laughs> There's so many reasons that they can go down, but I don't know if I'm being biased because if you look at the form, one win in eighteen. And that was against West Brom, who everyone beat, so it doesn't count. They play such boring, negative football. They, they didn't have a single shot on target against West Ham, despite having more possession. They, they've won five games all season. They, all, their, all their big names have gone. They're, well, they're clearly a selling club. I mean, that's not just me with my paws on my head on. They're clearly a selling club, and everyone can see that. They just they produce players, but they get rid of them, and there's not there's no one left that they can get rid of for a big sum of money. Everyone's jumped ship now, so I think I don't know if it's too good to be true, but I think they're in real real trouble. Just on this, Portsmouth are too far out of the play, out of the playoff race at the moment, uh, so so there's no chance of. In the championship next year, I wouldn't write us off just yet. We're, I think, two points off the playoffs at the moment, mm-hmm. and we've won three in a row, three clean sheets in a row, and we've got to play three of the teams around us. So if we have a good month, we could sneakily fluke our way into the playoffs, and you never, and you never know what happens after that. Okay, so you reckon there's there's still a chance of a South Coast derby in the championship next year? You still think there's a chance? Uh, a very optimistic chance, but you know, strange things have happened. Okay. Um, on the subject, though, of uh, they're not having any players, uh, the big name player, James Ward Prowse is absolutely going to be in the Premier League next year, be it with Southampton or another team. That the that guy is phenomenal and could very could easily make one of the could easily make one of the big sides. You know, if Spurs are looking for a new midfielder. James Ward Prowse could very well be the answer to it. You know, so yeah, but who else? Yeah, that's, that's it. I'm not. I'm, I'm absolutely agreeing with you. I'm just saying there is one. They're not a complete. They're not a complete team of you know duds. Yeah. They do have one or two. You know, I still want my Dusan Tadic could still hack it in the Premier League whenever he need be. But on the, but on the whole, yes, absolutely. Uh, Colin, do you agree with Tom? The West, uh, non West Ham, the Southampton are done. Uh, for me, no. But it's not because Southampton are any good. Um, they're just nondescript now. You know, I mean, I think whatever tactic they've got in their heads, I don't know why they do it, of like, you know, producing all these players and selling them on, I think it's it's bitten them in the arse. I mean, I think they've gone a little bit too far. Um there's just nothing about them anymore, is it? It's just like a shadow of what, what they used to be. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Yeah, Southampton. I mean, I'm failing to name players. I'm failing to sort of care. It, it's that sort of sort of magnolia. Do you know what I mean? Which is a dangerous situation to be in. But that being said, I've already put... Um, Huddersfield in the bin and 
I've got two other clubs I'm going to put in the bin as well um, ahead of Southampton I mean I think they'll finish just above relegation but it's not because of them being good a la um, turnarounds like we've seen at Swansea um, and Palace as well it's just because everybody else that they're swimming around is just dreadful um, so yeah I'm sorry Tom but I think they're going to be safe well it's all about it's all about how they change their tactics because they can't go about games the way they've approached the season they can't so I know if you I know quite a few Sounds and supporters and they are you allowed to say that are you, are we, have you I said I knew them I didn't say I liked them okay that's fair enough <laughs> you just about got away with that <laughs> they they absolutely hated their previous manager and the style he played such negative boring football drawing nil nil at home all the time just just not trying to win games and get into this get to stage of the season think how valuable a couple of a couple of those nil nils at home turn them into a one nil and they're safe but they've got to change the tactics they've got to win games now it's it's all how they adapt to that change. Yeah. Okay. Which leads us on to, uh, personally, I'm so sorry, uh, my pros and cons. I reckon, you know, as Colin alluded to, finally, after all these years of selling their big name players, it's just their time to go. We always knew there was going to happen eventually. You can't keep selling your big name players and just carry on as normal. Eventually, it's going to come back to bite you. And I personally think that this is now finally, finally it. When they sold I mean- Van Dyke, that was them saying, we care more about the money than we do Premier League. So, admittedly, admittedly, Van Dijk sort of forced his way out, but when they sold him, I think that was that was it. I mean, I mean, here's the thing, Matthew. I don't know what you guys think. Is that I'm not a football chairman, right? I'm not a football owner. But if I was, who in their right mind would follow the business model that Southampton have gone down? You know, I mean. Okay, they've got all this money in the bank, but all this money that they've made, they're probably going to lose if they get relegated. I mean, because they're not going to be getting the Sky money, the TV money, etc., etc. At what point did nobody on the board say, mm, hold on a minute, guys, you know, we're sitting a little bit close to the wind here. I just, I just don't get it. I mean, why, why would anybody do that? It's almost like they wanted to fail. Here's the thing, though. It was working for a while because of their their good academy system. They knew that they could sell Gareth Bale, and they know it's okay. We've got Adam Lallana coming through. We can sell Adam Lallana. It's okay because we got Oxley Chamberlain coming through. I've no idea if they got if that was the right order to sell them on. It's okay if we can sell you know Sadio Mane. We've got another good player coming through the academy, and the, finally the production line just stopped. Is basically what it is. So I don't know if that's a sort of coaching thing or whether something's gone wrong in the academy. Maybe players just aren't attracted to the good players aren't attracted to Southampton anymore. There's got that's got to be a reason because every because everyone used to say that Southampton was the model to follow. It was Southampton and it was Swansea. All the uh, a couple of years ago when Swansea went through their Loudrop stage and when Southampton went through their Nigel Atkins slash Pochettino stage. Everyone said that this is the model you should be going with. But now, all of a sudden, that's that's all changed. 
There's two clubs, and I, I'd like to know what Tom thinks about this, and I'm not blowing smoke up Tom's arse, but there's two clubs on the south coast there that have switcherooed, right? They've flipped reversed. Portsmouth, you know, plummeted massively, okay? Disaster, okay? But then from that, what Portsmouth have done is quite incredible, really. When you, when you think about where they were and the timescales and everything like that. So they're on an upward spiral, okay? There's nothing to suggest that there's going to be any, you know, um, roadblocks in the way for those guys, right? They're, they're going up. I think that Southampton are in the opposite way. And we'll be tired if they get relegated. We, we all know what it's like, right? If you get relegated, it is... And... Your setup isn't strong. It's quite easy to slip down another division. You know, I know that as a Leeds fan. Tom knows that as a Portsmouth fan. You know, this, you know, once you're on the skids, you're in trouble. Um, so I don't know what you think about that, Tom. Well, the the thing is now, if you get relegated, and they've already got got so much money in the bank, they can just buy all the talent in the Championship to make sure they stay up next season. If they, if that's if if they do go down as well, I think I I think it's a bit bit too far to suggest that they're going to be struggling next year as well but I, I see your point I see there's been plenty of teams that have struggled I mean Wigan have gone down two divisions since then I see teams like Bolton and Birmingham Sunderland Villa have struggled so it's not like it's just a one-off it's happened to plenty of teams mm. yeah okay which moves us on to our final team and a team I reckon, I reckon are goners personally. Um, even though they put in an excellent fighting display for the first uh, seventy minutes or so against Arsenal today, and that's Stoke. Now, personally, I the the fact the straight fact of the matter is they have conceded the most goals in the Premier League. You know, sixty-one goals is the most of any team in the Premier League by some distance. It should be said. Um, especially in and around the bottom, when you think West Brom conceded 51 and Southampton have only conceded 47. So in comparison, you know, there's no comparison to be made. So it's a bad defence. What I would say that one positive, though, is they do have a good foundation, whether or not it's good enough. You know, Joe Allen in midfield can unlock defences like probably no other, no one else in the league. Kevin De Bruyne aside. Um, uh, Shakiri will always... Anytime he's within 30 yards, you think he could score. The good attackers, in terms of Peter Crouch's, the fact that he's still going is somewhat impressive. They've got possibly England's number one in Jack Butland. And someone who should have got a cap for England, or more than caps than he has, in Ryan Shawcross leading the back line. So I think there's something there, but I reckon they've left it all far too late, personally, um, to stay up. I reckon Stoke are one of, are one of the goners. Personally, Colin, thoughts, Stoke. Gone. Relegated. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned some good players there. I mean, if they were that good, then they should have pulled their finger out, which is firmly stuck up their arses at the moment, because they're not trying hard enough. So if they go down, then the players have got to have a good, long, hard look at themselves. Um, uh, while Jack Butland's a half-decent keeper, the fact that... It, you know, people are saying he's number one for England is frankly laughable. Um, if he's our number one, 
in a team that, well, I don't know what Tom's going to say, but you and I both agree you're going to get relegated. It, 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 that speaks volumes. Um, I'm just struggling for any positives for them, to be honest. Um, and I and I think, yeah, they've got potentially a better roster than a lot of other teams down there, but it's just not happened for whatever reason. Mm. Yeah, you think they do? They do have a good squad that you think will easily be you no know, be plucked piece by piece. You no, know, when they go down. No, it's not as if they've got those sort of mid-range players that the play, that no uh, team in the Premier League would want. So they could, you know, uh, build a foundation of that sort of squad, similar to Newcastle in 2009. You think Joe Allen's yeah. probably going to go, Shakiri's going to go, Jack Butland definitely going to go. You know, some of the French players, Eric Peters, I reckon could do a job for some Premier League sides. You know, Peter Kraft is probably going to go, probably due to retirement. Uh, Juve, Murray Juve, I think is quite a good player there's a couple of so there's those players that will probably go so they don't have any they'll have to start afresh next year Tom do you think are you of the agreement that Stoke are, are goners no I wouldn't write them off just yet I mean why so this is interesting <laughs> well they've got quality in that squad I mean sort of like watered down Palace I mean Shakiri is for me a brilliant player playing in a bad team They've got experience in there with Joe Allen, Peter Crouch. He could, he's always going to be dangerous, popping out for a goal at the back post. And they've they've got goals in that team with um, uh, Chupo Moting as well. Fletcher and Adam, a bit more experience, bit of bit of passion in that midfield. I wouldn't worry them off yet. I think they've they've hit terrible form at the worst possible time again, similar to Huddersfield. I mean, I think they've won one game this year. But, and they're the sort of team that when when it's going against them, they completely collapse. I mean, they've been they've been on on the end of some absolute beatings this year. Was it they conceded seven against Man City? They they got beaten five nil by Chelsea and Tottenham as well. I mean, they're, but they're not the games you look for to get your points. They need to they need to step up, obviously. But they've got quality. They've got match winners. I think I, I wouldn't write them off just yet. I mean, it's going to be a massive task. I mean, obviously, where their goal difference is so bad compared to the teams around them, and they're already three points adrift. But you can see them. I can just see them winning, winning two games, getting a couple of draws, and just just somehow just just pipping uh, two of the others there. Okay. Wow. Okay then. Um... Okay, so that just about wraps up. I've sort of already lost track of who everyone did. Um, so, so then quick, so, so your three to go down are West Brom plus... Huddersfield and Southampton. Huddersfield and Southampton. Colin, your three to go down are West Ham, are West Brom plus... Stoke and Huddersfield Town. Stoke and Huddersfield Town, okay. And I'm going as well, I probably should have mentioned it. Uh, yeah, Stoke and Huddersfield again for me. I've sort of changed my mind over the past five minutes and seeing about whether or not I, I don't know opinions have changed because of your excellent argumentative points now moving on to the second I would I was going to call this main debate but the first one's taken up 45 minutes so that's probably changed that it's Colin you had a topic that you wanted to mention a couple of weeks ago 
So I'm going to let you sort of take the lead on this. And it was your point about whether or not social media and football are a good mix. Yeah, um, I, I, can't, I, can't exa- <laughs> I can't exactly remember exactly what my train of thought there was. Um, it was something to do with a fan at Brentford versus Leeds had a heart attack or there was a problem with him and social media helped get him uh, recovery or get him treatment or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was something along those lines. I can't remember either. Yeah, I, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, no, no. What this, what triggered this um, thought of mine is that basically uh, a match at Ellen Road. Um, guy is reported on Twitter that a guy had been run over, um, and that he had uh, died, but he was a hero because he'd push a child out of the way um, and save the child but sacrificed himself. Basically, it turns out it was bullshit, right? It was just, um, you know, this car might have, like, run over his foot, which is not great, but, you know, he's he's broke his leg, like. Um, But anyway, it went that serious that... I I still can't believe this. The official Legion United Twitter account was sending its best wishes and thoughts to his friends and family. Um, Radio Leeds were doing exactly the same. Um, and so was the uh, Yorkshire Post, Yorkshire Evening Post. And it was like, okay, right. And what happened subsequently is that somebody, I think there might have actually been two people, but there was at least one account that was set up with, um, I, I don't, is, is it crowdfunding? But basically, someone set up a page to collect money for his family because of their sad loss. Now, who the hell are these people <laughs> putting that together? And it's like, I guess my issue is, have the lunatics taken over the asylum? Because... As I'm sure everybody knows who's a football fan, there's some pretty, there's some crazy crazies on Twitter and it allows them to get their craziness out there. That example I've just given you is just one example, but it's a pretty awful one, right? Um, and I just wonder if football has sort of succumbed to being dictated to by social media. I mean, the fact that, you know, credible outlets picked it up and ran with it you know, and, and we also know about, you know, people set up rumours and this and that and the other. Um, and there's probably no better day to talk about this, actually, than April Fool's Day. Yeah. Um, when you talk about, you know, people trying to trick people. Um, so, yeah, that was just the, the point I was trying to raise. Has it, has it got a little bit too far? And is there some sort of way that we can sort of, like, sanitise fans on Twitter? Well, I think sort of Twitter is a is a voice of is a sort of um, a symbol and a representation of society as a whole, and you know we get this uh, an example of something like this at a football game. There's probably something has happened very similar every day on Twitter. You know, someone making up story. You know, we don't want to go down the Donald Trumps or fake news line, but this sort of thing probably happens every day. 
and it's just the fact that it probably happened at a football uh, or, or didn't happen at a football match. You know, it would have happened at around sort of Saturday around six o'clock, the time when every single football fan is on Twitter trying to find out the results up and down the country, trying to find gifts of the goal that their team scored that day. Everything else, all the quote unquote banter accounts are, you know, doing all their stupid retweets and likes, um, putting out fact. So it's probably just sort of exploded on that because it was just the high traffic volume time. But I will agree that Twitter has probably the main purpose, its main purpose is probably gone far and away of what it was meant to be to start with. It was meant to just be a shorter version of Facebook, but now it's become a main news outlet for so many people. And, you know, something like that, just it's more of an equivalency of society itself rather than just just football. Tom? Never believe anything you see on Twitter. Unless it's got the blue tick. I mean, people must... Are any of you following the uh, Did Not Happen of the Year awards? No, no. I mean, but I'm intrigued now. It's a, I think it started a couple of years ago. They basically just find all the made-up bullshit tweets that people post for likes and retweets just to, like, push their own agenda. Agenda Like, someone... They, it's, there's usually ones involving some something that small children have said that they clearly haven't said but there's no way of proving them either wrong or right so people assume that it happened and retweet it because it's funny and because it thinks it's so some hidden meaning and it's the same with it's the same with football as well isn't it when you get people just who have absolutely no idea all these in the know accounts posting all their transfer news and rumours claiming they know a, a cleaner at the stadium has just seen someone there it's it's been going on for a while now. I don't think I don't think it's a particularly new thing. This most of the stuff on Twitter is just absolute bullshit, and it's hilarious. But but herein lies the problem, Tom. Is that you've got something called common sense, <laughs> and you don't listen to what's on Twitter and just read it verbatim as oh that's a fact. I would argue that what when it comes to football. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing here, 40, 30% are not of the same opinion. And if such a, a large group of people jump onto that and believe it, and in the example I gave, the official blue tick of a, a local newspaper and, and Leeds United Football Club bought into it, right? Um, then it sort of carries a bit more momentum because then you think, oh, well, ooh, hold on a minute. This has got like 500 likes. Do you know what I mean? There may be something in this. But I completely agree with you. It's almost like um, a football version of you've been framed. Do you know where, oh, isn't it funny? You know, this man fell off a shed. Do you know what I mean? They've done it on purpose to get 250 quid. Exactly. And, and people go, oh, isn't that amusing? It's like, it could never happen. Do you know what I mean? And... If it did happen, that's one thing. That's pretty unbelievable. But for someone to be recording it at the time it happened, that's like a thousand to one shot. And things happen all the time on Twitter when it comes to football, doesn't it? Every weekend, it's like, did this happen? And, yeah. I don't know. It just drives me a little bit crazy. 
yeah, I could, yeah, I could sort of understand. But sort of on a general sense, has social media and football is um, sort of con- sort of continuing what we have on Man of the Post. You, what you, what you sort of mentioned is more of a, as I said, more of a thing of society. But social media and football in the way that it sort of brought fans together in the like the way that uh, fans and players and to an extent clubs sort of interact on Twitter. Do we think that's been a good thing or do we think that that it's sort of trying too hard? The clubs are sort of trying to connect um, you know, you know, oh, what's the you know what's the phrase? Uh, hello there fellow kids. Is it just them trying to seem cool or is it or has it worked out? Is it been a good thing the way the clubs, fans and players all interact together? But but could it not also in the same way as as been a pos- uh, a force for good? A force for evil. I mean, I can't even imagine what would have happened to Twitter when David Beckham tripped the Argentinian guy up. Yeah, it would have just been, you know, swear words, swear words. Swear, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Think of um, and and this whole thing. I mean, you say oh, it's good and everything, but. And perhaps, ridiculously, players get involved in it, and they're on Twitter as well. And some of the grief that they get from absolute numpties must really have an effect on them. Yeah, you know, like you know, I mean, we're saying, oh, you know, funny things here, funny things there. But some of them will probably be saying, "I'm going to kill your child" or something like that. Do you know what I mean? And if you get enough of those, it's going to mess with your head. There's always nutcases around, though, isn't there? Wherever you go, it's not just football. That's just that's just life. I mean, you've just got to deal with it and accept that anyone given that sort of random abuse has got something wrong in their head and you just shouldn't be taken seriously. You just can't really take anything to heart that you get tweeted or you get shouted at. I mean, I don't know, I'm not a professional footballer, so I haven't really got that sort of abuse. Yeah, but it doesn't. Yeah, yeah they—they probably—it's just a written format. They've probably heard worse, or not probably not worse, but the same sort of thing from the terraces. It's now it's sort of there's some sort of there's some level of proof. So uh, a player can't go to his you know, club and say, "Oh, when I was walking off the pitch, some fan to my right said, you know, f off, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you and your family.'" You know, there's no sort of real proof there other than hearsay. Whereas with Twitter, it all there all there is now it's just it's the same level of abuse, but there's a record of it. You can actually sort of prove that it happened. That's really the only sort of that's really the only sort of difference. The, the players are probably used to having this. It probably comes with the territory. You know, when you become a professional footballer, you probably know that you're gonna get some abuse down the line. It's just a case of whether or not you can take it. Obviously, there there are people there are people who go too far, clearly. But footballers must know that this that's the territory and that's the job they've taken. Yeah, but that's not an excuse for meaning it's right. No, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that it it's what it's what happens. I'm just saying. Yeah. It, it, <sighs> It's, it's a similar thing to, you know, a lot of bad things happen and things might get picked up on social media that otherwise wouldn't have been found out about. But there's a way of reporting that. It's, it's called the police. Do you know what I mean? And if it's important, they'll deal with it. If it's not, 
and it's just Twitter bullshit, then they'll just say, no, it's, it's nonsense. And I think the fact that even, you know, the numpties out there, you know, that, you know, Tom mentioned, have always been there. There was less grief before because then they'd actually have to, you know, somehow engage brain, find the address of the person or the football club, um, buy a stamp, buy an envelope and write a letter, you know, whereas now they can just go, you know, maybe they're half cut and they just go, FNC and all this lot. Do you know what I mean? And it's just, it's maybe social media has made it too easy to abuse people. Yeah, but out the same way, it, there's also the reverse, is now it's become a lot easier to to praise people. Like, for instance, um, Deli Alley today, or someone, for instance, Deli Alley, I don't know, I don't know if he has, but we'll say at the end of the game, you know, to, you know, thanks Spurs fans for making the journey, you made, you know, you know great noise, yada, yada, um, well done, the lads, all that, you know, all that general sort of thing. And then he could, he can very easily reply to Tottenham fans who have said no, he would like a message where someone's replied to him, yay, Delhi, you did great today, or what's that effect. And he'll be able to like it or retweet it. And then that fan knows that Delhi Ali has read his moment of praise. So it goes both ways. Uh, yes, I sort of get that. But I'll be brutally honest with you. I mean, I'm, I'm being. I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm being a bit cynical, but I don't think that Deli Ali is going to spend the rest of his evening tonight um, as a multi-millionaire footballer going through his iPhone and just saying, "Do you know what I need to do? I need to be a philanthropist. I need to message all these guys back. What a great bunch of guys!" Now he's, he's probably at home getting laid. Do you know what I mean? With some like attractive women. Do you know what I mean? There's just or, or woman singular. Let's let's just keep honest. <laughs> we don't want to make any assumptions about Deli Ali. No, no, I'm not making Ali. assumptions. I'm a, yeah, a, a, another player. But yeah. do you know what I mean? I think one of the last things that's on his mind is I need to, you know, do my duty and reply to every single Spurs fan. Do you know what I mean? And 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 I wouldn't expect that of him either. You know, if I send someone a nice message, it's because I want to send it. I'm not sending it because, oh, okay, I'm sending you a nice message because then you're going to say, oh, thanks very much, Colin, you lovely guy. Do, do you know what I mean? Um, so, but I, I absolutely see your point. Um, maybe Deli Ali is not the best uh, person to choose. but um, I, I just chose it today because he, he scored twice. That's the only reason. You can, you can pluck any particular player, you know, Harry Kane, you can pick. And I've someone from yesterday. Name someone who scored yesterday. Marco Anatovic, say. It's the same it's the same scenario up and down the country, all around the world. But again, isn't that a little bit ridiculous that us as football fans, I mean, okay, we love our team and everything, but who's going to waste their time sending a tweet saying, Brilliant. Love you, mate. You're the best ever. Cheers, Chris Wood. Do you know what I mean? It's like, who gives a monkeys? Do you know what I mean? It's like, he's doing his job. We almost made it a whole podcast without you mentioning Chris Wood, Colin. Oh, dear. 
<laughs> almost. Almost. Okay, well, we'll move on from Chris Wood to... Um, I think that sort of wraps that up. And someone more or less on the level of Chris Wood. Who saw Zlatan Ibrahimovic's game yesterday? <laughs> seen his goal. Just wow. I mean, I, I am not a fan of Zlatan Ibrahimovic in any way. I think he is, you know... He is a bit of a dick for just the way the way he acts. Probably fully deserved. Probably you know, you no. Know, he's probably you know scored plenty of goals, won plenty of trophies. He probably deserve he deserves to act like that. But he's just a bit of a dick. But I must admit, I was taken. My breath was taken away with what he did yesterday. It was fantastic. Can anyone think of a better debut than that anywhere? No, not really. To come on. They were three 0 down as well, and they won four three in the last minute. Yeah, there were three. There were three one down. I think when he came on. Yeah. Was, and just, just 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 five minutes into debut, just to, to, to smash a volley home from forty yards. It just, does, yeah, I will say it, it, there were question marks over the keeper for being in that spot because you could sort as soon as the ball dropped, I knew exactly what he was going to do. And just for the keeper to be in that position, it, there's question marks on there. I mean, the MLS, there's question marks over most players. Oh yeah, there's question marks on everyone in the MLS. Have you seen the quality of there is just terrible? But Colin, Colin, did you see the game? What it, your favourite debut? Can you name a better one? Um, I, I didn't see the game, um, but have you seen I, the goal at least? I have seen the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, good goal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, he's a top striker. That's what he should be doing. You know, against minnows in the MLS. I mean, I, I just think there's a bit of a as Latan loving, and again, I'm not his biggest fan. Um, but you know, it's, it's it's not as good as the um, goal that Jamie Vardy scored against West Brom. I think it was. Oh, what from earlier earlier in the season? Yeah, the one that just came over. Okay, I thought, I thought you were referring to the Liverpool one from a couple of seasons back. Because I think that one, that, that one was even better. Still sort of yeah, possibly so, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm being a little bit anti-Zlatan here, but um, there's, there's a little evil part inside of me saying, yeah, all right then, Billy Big Bollocks. Do it on the big stage then. Do you know what I mean? Do it on a Tuesday night in Stoke. Well, exactly, yeah. Do it in a proper league rather than a clown competition. Do it at Ellen Road. Well, no, that's a clown competition there as well. Um, so, um, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not expecting Zlatan at Ellen Road anytime soon. Because say, you never know that one final paycheck to play in the championship. You never know, or League One, depending on how things go at Leeds. I, I don't know though. That that's one of the worst things, isn't it? I remember um, Torre Andre Flo um, joining Leeds United, and I think it was. Me either championship or league one, and everyone was like, "Oh yeah, Tori Andre Flo," and he was like, and he was dreadful. It was like watching an an old man hobble around. Do you know what I mean? But he was getting played for ninety minutes just because he was Tori Andre Flo. Um, Sometimes it's not always. Sometimes you've got to go gracefully, haven't you? I think, Um, and I don't know. Is MLS the place where? Good players go to retire. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing graceful about Zlatan Ozil. He wants to be in the limelight as much as possible. 
Did, I, did you see his that, comments? Did you see his comments this week? The fact that he put Sweden on the map. <laughs> you know, Ab, Abba returning over in their graves if, if they're dead. I don't know if they are. Henry oh, Glass. No, no, they're alive. No, they're no, good. They're all alive. I was going to say I went to their museum this summer. They should be alive. All be alive. But yeah, um, Henrik Larsson probably took the thing of that. Bjorn Borg, same thing. Whoever IKEA. invented whoever invented IKEA as well probably said, "Hang on, we were here first. But anyway, so that's an, so that just about wraps up this week's edition of the Man on the Post podcast. Unless there's any lingering points that either of you wish to bring up, not for me, Matthew. Not for you, Tom. Any? Nope. Uh, do you want to give us a Pompey update? How's Connor Chaplin doing? Uh, unused sub most of the time. Unused sub, but he's one of your own. He's meant to be playing. He's like Stephen Gerrard. He should be there every week. It's fine. We've got Jack Watmore in defence. Ben Close in midfield there. One of our own as well. They're two more of your own. Go. That's correct, yeah. Right. Uh, can they, Can all three play at one time? Or are they sort of uh, all in the same position? the world might explode <laughs> if that happens. If all three. Right. Uh, uh, John Portsmouth FC would lose it if three homegrown Portsmouth <laughs> players at the same time. We've got three of our own. Three of our own. <laughs> right, which only brings us to the terms and conditions of listening to this podcast, because there are rules. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or through the Acast app. Listen out for Man on the Post Extra Time every weekend with Chris, Ryan, Jesse and Justin. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at Man on the Post, and you can find each of us individually on Twitter as well. I'm at mattre 63 um, M-A-T-T-R-H-Y-S-6-3 Colin, I believe you're on Twitter as well What's your handle? I am, I'm, I'm catching up on all the uh, Social media news on, on football um, Yeah, Cass707 And Tom, uh, are you on Twitter as well? I don't know, please tell me you are I am, and what's I'm your Alano11 handle? Say again one more time Alano11, E-L-A-R-N-O-1-1 one, one. And don't forget that if you have any questions That you want for future uh, uh, future questions um, on future episodes of the podcast feel free to send them in feel free to send in any positive or negative comments just anything you want to send our way as long as they're not dick pics no social media wasn't invented for that but all that leaves is for us to say goodbye so it's goodbye from Colin goodbye it's goodbye from Tom see you later and it's goodbye from me goodbye and always remember to have your man on the post Ross, if you're listening to this, uh, what was the title that we wanted? It's more fun. It's more fun in the bottom. Something along those lines. What was the one we, what was the one we said? Like, something about Colin likes having fun in the bottom. I don't know. Colin likes. It. Colin thinks it's more fun in the bottom. That's the it's, title, it's, Ross. If you're listening. Yeah, yeah. Fun in the bottom. Fun in the bottom. Yeah. Co- 